Well, good morning to you all. Glad to be here with you today. Um, please pray with me one more time, and then we'll, we'll continue here. Lord, I do thank you for a chance for us all to be together this morning. It is a sweet, sweet grace and gift to us as your people that we can gather like this. Um, Psalm 25 occurs to me. Teach me to know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me. For you are the God of my salvation. For you I wait all the day long. And so that's my prayer for us this morning, God, as we just continue to move through this worship service together, that you would make us to know your ways, and you would teach us your paths, so you would lead us as a good father that you are. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, good morning again. Um, it is good to be with you. Uh, if you maybe don't know it, maybe you're a guest with us this morning. Uh, my name is Thomas. I'm one of the pastors here with the church. And uh, I'm not the typical uh, fella up here preaching on Sundays, but I do get the chance to preach several times throughout the year. And uh, really happy to be here again with you this morning to do that. Um, as, I've been, uh, as I have had that chance to preach over this past year or so, we've been moving through the book of Proverbs. And we're going to continue there. We're going to continue that series this morning. We're going to be in Proverbs chapter 9. Proverbs chapter 9 this morning. And, and we'll read from there together in just a, a few minutes. But, but before we do that, and just as we're, as we're coming into Proverbs chapter 9, think about this. Imagine that you, uh, you, you, you've heard a lot about a couple big events that are coming up. Uh, two parties, maybe. You've heard a lot about these things. And then one day, um, you go to your mailbox. You go to get your mail. And you, you come to find out that there are invitations there for you for these two big events. Um, and man, there are things about both of these events that are really appealing to you. Um, but you come to find out that the, these invitations are for these events that are happening at the same time on the same day. So you got to choose. You can't do both of them, even though both of them do have some appeal. But uh, you got to choose, okay? So it is decision time. You're invited to something and you need to choose. And I think that that really is the force of Proverbs chapter 9 in light of the the book of Proverbs so far. Um, Proverbs chapter 9 really is sort of a a pivot point in the book of Proverbs. Um, And it really closes out what is essentially a nine-chapter-long introduction to the rest of the book. So in the first eight chapters... Um, you, you have this, this, um, this father figure, you have this teacher figure, you have wisdom itself, actually, uh, personified. And, and they're all speaking, they, they speak in longer uh, discourses, and they make arguments, and they give illustrations, and they give examples. All of this trying to highlight the beauty of wisdom, trying to highlight the worth of wisdom, and trying to... to gets you going down that road of wisdom to to persuade you, to make a case and persuade readers to choose the life of wisdom over the life of folly. And so now as we come into chapter 9, I think the force of the chapter really is, it boils down to kind of one final appeal before moving into the rest of the book. One, One final appeal here, an invitation 
to notice both wisdom and folly, to notice what they offer, notice the cost and benefit of going one direction or the other, and then choose. It's decision time. We've got to make a decision here. You've got two competing invitations, and you've got to make a choice. You can't do both of them. And chapter 9, I think, it, it aims to secure our commitment to wisdom. And, and, and then committed to wisdom, that sets us up to move into the rest of the book of Proverbs, where you've got, these, you've got literally hundreds of these little, short, quick-hitting, snappy, concise sayings, uh, instruction, uh, uh, wisdom sayings. You've got hundreds of them in the rest of the book, uh, covering dozens of topics. And if we will commit to wisdom... If we'll embrace wisdom, then we're going to be set up to move into the, all of that instruction and, and, and better understand it and better apply it uh, to our lives, better contextualize it for where we are at. Um, and so chapter 9, it's a pivot point from us, for us. Pivots from introduction to now commit to wisdom so that now you're going to be able to grow in wisdom as you follow the teachings in the rest of the book. So all of that said, uh, we'll, we'll go ahead and read uh, chapter 9 together this morning, and then we'll, we'll explore, we'll press in and explore what it has for us. So chapter 9, Proverbs chapter 9, and if you happen not to uh, have a Bible with you, that's okay, the word should be on the, uh, the screen behind me. So chapter 9, wisdom has built her house, she has hewn her seven pillars, She has slaughtered her beasts and mixed her wine. She has also set her table. She has sent out her young women to call from the highest places of the the town. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. To him who lacks sense, she says, Come, eat of my bread and drink of the wine that I have mixed. Leave your simple ways and live and walk in the way of insight. Whoever corrects a scoffer gets himself abuse. And he who reproves a wicked man incurs injury. Do not reprove a scoffer or he will hate you. Reprove a wise man, a wise man, and he will love you. Give instruction to a wise man and he will be still wiser. Teach a righteous man and he will increase in learning. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And the knowledge of the Holy One is, excuse me, is insight. For by me your days will be multiplied, and your yield, and years will be added to your life. If you are wise, you are wise for yourself, and if you scoff, you alone will bear it. The woman folly is loud. She is seductive and knows nothing. She sits at the door of her house, and she takes a seat at the highest places in the town, calling to those who pass by, who are, who are going straight on their way. And she says, whoever is simple, let him turn in here. And to him who lacks sense, she says, stolen water is sweet. And bread eaten in secret is pleasant. But, but he does not know that the dead are there, that her guests are in the depths of Sheol. Amen. Excuse me for a minute, I have to get some water. All right. So we have, uh, so we have wisdom and we have folly here, personified. Um, of course, this is metaphorical. These are not literal people, but wisdom and folly, they're cast as two women here. And both of them want you to be a part of what they have got going on. They, they both want you to be a part 
of what they've got going on. And, I, and the glaring application here, I think, for, for the original readers of this chapter and for us here today, is that for us today, we need to pick a side. We need to choose. Which way are you going to go? You've got to commit. You can't be fickle in the middle. You've got to make a decision here. We've had eight chapters of, of material uh, helping us to see the, the, the benefits and the costs of going one way or the other with wisdom or folly. And now it is time to make a choice. It's time to choose. Like a wedding invitation, you know, you might get in the mail uh, and it's got an R, it requests an RSVP and there's a deadline there. Right? And I, I snicker with that just a little bit because if you're anything like me, it's kind of hard to meet those deadlines for some strange reason with wedding invites. But there's an RSVP there and there's a deadline on it and we are at the deadline. It is time to make a decision about this. So we've got these two competing invitation, uh, invitations. And uh, so just for the sake of the message here this morning, uh, four parts to it. Number one, the invited. Who is invited? Number two, the offers. What's offered in the invitation? Number three, uh, the responses. What, what are the responses? What responses do we see to this invite uh, here in the chapter, along with consequences and, and outcomes? Uh, and then number four, the choice, the decision. Especially with what wisdom is offering here. How do we say yes to that? Okay, so first of all then, the invited. The invited. Who's getting these invitations? And uh, we can notice, I think pretty quickly, with both wisdom and, fo- and folly, the, they're targeting the same kinds of people. Uh, so you notice verse 4 again. Wisdom says, whoever is simple, let him turn in here. And then over in verse 16, you have folly giving the same invitation. Verse 16, whoever is simple, let him turn in here. So these simple people, whoever they are, uh, they're the ones that are invited. They're the ones that are courted by both wisdom and folly here. Uh, so who, who are these people? Well, in the, in, the, in the context of Proverbs, I would say that the simple are those who are, uh, they're essentially naive. Now, they're naive not necessarily because they lack intelligence, but they're naive because they lack experience. And not only are they naive kind of in that way, but they're, they're mostly people who, who want to stay open to their options. They want to be uncommitted. They are uncommitted. So if you imagine a, this, a path of wisdom or a path of folly, the simple person sort of likes it right here in the, in the middle. And they want to remain open to the kind of options that they might have. They don't want to get constrained in by choosing one or the other. But, so they're, they're uncommitted. But, importantly, they can still be persuaded. They're not fixed in their in their opinions yet. They can still be persuaded. They can still be reasoned with. um, They can be shaped. They can be drawn down one of those directions or the other. So they're uncommitted, fickle in the middle, but um, they can still be uh, persuaded. They're not a lost cause just yet. And so both wisdom and folly here, they're seeking out these simple people. Um, They can still be drawn in, sort of like the the so-called... Oh, what do they call them? The independent voters or uncommitted voters in an election year. Uh, And so you've got Democrats and Republicans both courting these same voters, trying to get their vote, trying to draw them in because they're not committed. They can still maybe be reasoned with and persuaded. And that's what you have wisdom and folly here doing, making this appeal to these simple folks. Okay, so that's who's invited. 
So the offers then, what's offered in the invitation? What, 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 uh, what's going to be gained uh, if we go to this, this party with either wisdom or folly? Um, and here too, like with the intended guests, the offer that both wisdom and folly make are really, really similar. Um, both wisdom and folly, they, they offer a meal. Um, they both offer food and drink. So notice verse 2 again. Uh, wisdom has slaughtered her beasts. She has mixed her wine. She has also set her table. And then verse 5, she says, Come, eat of my bread and drink of the wine that I have mixed. And then if you look at verse 17, folly says, Stolen water is sweet, and bread eaten in secret is pleasant. So, so both wisdom and folly here are offering a meal, um, they're both saying, come and eat and drink what I've got. They're both saying that. And, and, and I think the, the, the coming and the, the eating and the drinking, that's symbolic of something. I think it's, it's, it's really symbolic of, of, of embracing their ways. Embracing one or the other and embracing their ways. It's, it's, um, uh, it's, in, it's, it's choosing to indulge in the things that they indulge in. It's choosing to love the things that they love and to hate the things that they hate, to, to, to enter in with them into their uh, way of life, their priorities of life. And with that then, notice there, there is clearly a difference in these two meals that are being offered. There is a difference here, and I think it's significant. If you notice, uh, wisdom offers meat, and bread and wine, while folly just offers bread and water. And um, it's not even her water. It's, it's stolen water. So you can see that wisdom uh, is, is, is more intentional. Uh, she's more careful to prepare this meal and, and share it, where folly just steals it and, and, and throws it out there. And she's quick to point out, by the way, that it's sweet and it's pleasant Okay, so you get this feeling that with wisdom, there really is a, 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 a really a substantial nourishing meal here that she's offering, while folly is just sort of throwing some junk food at you. And it's, it, it, it's like uh, a Thanksgiving meal with, with folly and leftover Halloween candy stolen from the neighbor kid with folly. Or, or with folly. Sorry, wisdom, this, this Thanksgiving meal, and this stolen Halloween candy with folly. I mean, that's the, the vibe that you get. Something substantial and something kind of light. But it's sweet and it is pleasant. Um, folly is quick to point out. And um, I think that the, the difference in these meals, it's telling of the nature of wisdom and the nature of folly. It's symbolic of how folly and how the foolish path generally are going to appeal to our baser instincts. They're generally going to appeal to our bent toward instant gratification, that desire that we have to, to get what we want and want it now. But they're going to they're they're appeal to what we think is sweet and pleasant. Now, um, that's on, one, on the one hand, that's perfectly normal to want what's sweet and pleasant. And it's perfectly fine. In fact... This is the way God made us. God built us to, to enjoy what is sweet and pleasant. God made us to enjoy pleasures of various kinds. But with folly, her appeal is to our, 
the brokenness in that desire for pleasures. And, and, and she appeals to, to, to more of a quick fix to get those things that we want, more of an instant gratification uh, to get those pleasures. Uh, again, kind of a quick fix to fill those desires. But wisdom, she appeals to what I think is a deeper instinct that we have, uh, a deeper intuition that I think we have. There's a deeper intuition in us. And, and I think it, it's there and it says, yeah, we do want what is pleasant and sweet, yes. But deep down, we know that if we could choose, we would want that, that satisfaction to be deep and lasting. We don't want sweetness and pleasantness kind of a mile wide and an inch deep. No, deep down, if we could choose, no, we want satisfaction that lasts. We want satisfaction that's way deeper than an inch and even way wider than a mile. That, 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 that's there, that's built into us, I think, by virtue of our being God's creatures. And again, we, we're built like that, and I don't think that that's, you know, by accident. I mean, uh, for, for the various reasons that might be, not least of those reasons would, but was, would be that we are built to enjoy God. And God is the deepest and the widest, most satisfying reality in the universe, and we were made to enjoy Him. And wisdom knows that we were made for pleasure and sweetness that is deeper and it's wider and it's longer than we, than we typically or oftentimes settle for. And folly knows that we very often do settle for much less and she appeals to that. That's where she's going after. But wisdom is appealing, again, I think, to that deeper intuition um, and I think that's hinted at here in, in her much more substantial and much more intentional and carefully prepared meal with the meat and the bread and the wine. She appeals to that inner intuition of ours of, uh, of more of a bent toward delayed gratification. Where, we're, where we, we know that if we can give up something short-term, near-term, some short-term denial of one pleasure, we can in the end... Uh, uh, get something much, much greater. And wisdom is, is appealing to that. But speaking of maybe if we give up something in the short run, we're going to get something much greater in the long run. Um, speaking of that, notice there is another way that, that wisdom's offer is different from follies. If you look at verse 5 again, wisdom says, Come, eat of my bread, drink of the wine that I have mixed. Okay, and folly makes that same that same offer, but then folly just stops right there. And she doesn't say anything more. But with wisdom, she continues at verse 6. She says, leave your simple ways and live and walk in the way of insight. Okay? So, so notice that. Wisdom, wisdom says, come. She, she wants to give you food. She wants to give you drink. But more than that, she wants to give you life. She wants to give you life. But that requires something. There's something that we need to consider here as we take that offer of life. She offers this life, but it's not just for anyone. It's not just for any simple one who says, yeah, I'll take that life, sure. Can I have it? But no, she, she gives life. She, she says, come get life. 
with leaving and cleaving, we might say, with a turning and a following. It comes by turning away from the, the simple, uh, kind of flappy, fickle-in-the-middle kind of attitude and, and commitment to now leave that and walk the wise road. In fact, commit to that. You can't have it both ways. You can't stand in the middle. Um, and if you're going to choose wisdom, by definition, you are leaving something behind. You can't go this way and at the same time go this way. And that's what wisdom is calling us to here. It might mean that we leave something of ourselves behind if we're going to follow after wisdom. And leave something of ourselves behind as we, as we pick up a path that is given to us. So it comes maybe with letting go of what might be some long-standing ideas or long-standing opinions or, or long-standing lifestyle choices. Those may need to be left behind and we, and we turn and we embrace wisdom and we go her path and we submit to her ways. We commit to indulge in the things that she indulges in and, and love the things that she loves and hate the things that she hates and, and, and take up the priorities of her lifestyle. So, I mean, this, do you see that? That's a, it's, a, it's an interesting difference in the offer that they make. It's like, um, you know, it's like Folly saying you can, you can get married, but you can also have this sexual relationship over here. You, you can't do that. You're married. By definition, you're not a single person anymore. But Folly's kind of saying you can be married and single at the same time. No. That can't happen. Folly seems to be saying, just come. Come here and come as you are and just be you and do what you do. But wisdom says, no, come as you are. You're simple. Okay, come simple. But leave your simple ways behind. And be changed. And let me lead you into a much fuller life than what you are experiencing. You can't, kind of, you can't carry this fickle, in-the-middle attitude into the decisive path of wisdom. And I think it's a, it feels like a little bit of a point of tension for me um, here. I mean, I think at one level, we could look at this, and Folly's invite actually seems more appealing than wisdom's does. Because Folly doesn't make the same demands that wisdom does. Again, it's like folly saying that you can be married and you can still have this sexual relationship over here on the side. In fact, the reference to stolen water there probably is a veiled reference to some sort of sexual activity outside of marriage. Come over to my party and there's going to be sexual activity here that you can engage in, even though you're married. No strings attached. Just come, no strings attached. That's a little bit of the feel that we get with folly. Um, But of course, there are strings, right? They're hidden strings. You see that in verse 18. Um, Verse 18 again. He does not know that the dead are there with folly. That her guests, the guests at her event are in the depths of Sheol, the place of the dead. And so folly is pulling a bait and switch here. She's pulling a bait and switch. She's saying instant gratification. You can have it, no strings attached, but it is a trap. It is a it is cheese on the mouse trap. Okay? There are strings attached. You will get sweet. You will get pleasant and you will get dead. That's that's the hidden string. That's the fine print here with folly. 
And she doesn't want you to see it. But wisdom, man, wisdom is a straight shooter. Wisdom's going to tell you like it is. There's no fine print here with wisdom. She tells it like it is. She says, come, turn from your ways, follow me, and you'll get life. Come and follow me, leave your ways behind, follow me, and I will give you life. Straight shooter, no hidden agenda, nothing. I love it. Folly says, come as you are, you don't need to change, be who you are, and keep being, doing what you do. Come and enjoy what you can while you're here. Wisdom says, come as you are, and let me change you. Let me make you the the, the best version of you that you can be. And that might be hard. That might be hard at times. You're going to need to let go of some things. You're going to need to let go of some convictions, maybe. Pick up some new convictions. You're going to maybe have to leave some old friendships. Get some new friends. It won't always be easy. And, and, and what is that for you? What is wisdom calling you to leave behind as you commit to her to have her grow you and make you to be the best version of you that you can be? You've got to commit. And it can, it can be hard at times, but wisdom offers nothing short of abundant life. Abundant life. This is what she's offering. And it won't be instantaneous, necessarily, leaving behind old ways, leaving behind um, ideas and people. That might take time. Um, I think we see in verse 9 that the wise can still be wiser. So you see like a progression there, a progressive growth in wisdom. It's not just instantaneous, but it's progressive over time. And likewise, there, 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 there would be a, a progressive perhaps leaving behind old ways and taking up the ways of wisdom. But there is a commitment to do so. There's a commitment to get into relationship with wisdom and let her counsel you, counsel us on what we need to give up, when we need to give that up, what we need to replace that with, who we need to replace that with, and so on. And that will be the path of life that she offers. See, wisdom knows us way better than we know ourselves. She knows what it will take for us to get the true and lasting sweetness and, and pleasure that, that, that is there in our deep desires. She knows what it's going to take for us to get this really weighty, uh, established, uh, satisfied life. She knows what that is. And if we will commit to her, then she will teach us and she will grow us and she will help us along that path. You know, there there are studies out there evidently uh, that show evidently that that we make something like 35,000 Conscious decisions or choices every day. 35,000 choices and decisions every single day. And if we will commit to wisdom, that will impact virtually every single one of those choices. And we, we commit to wisdom and we keep committing to wisdom with every one of those decisions, basically. And, and, and so it will impact all of our decisions in parenting and in, and in marriage and in finances and in, in neighboring and in work relationships. Um, it's going to impact all of these things. Wisdom making us wise and then growing us in that wisdom over time, over the long haul in all of these areas. And so, so that's what's offered here with both wisdom and folly. Substantial meal. Fleeting pleasures. 
um, lasting satisfaction, fleeting satisfaction. Um, so the responses here then, or potential responses. You can see these, I think, in verses 7 to 9. Um, verses 7 to 9 says this. Whoever corrects a scoffer gets himself abuse. And he who reproves a wicked man incurs injury. Do not reprove a scoffer or he will hate you. Reprove a wise man and he will love you. Give instruction to a wise man and he will be wiser still. Teach a righteous man and he will increase in learning. So I would just point out the scoffers here and the wise here. These are essentially two of the potential responses that we can have to wisdom's invite. Uh, So wisdom will call, wisdom will invite Um, She'll say, leave your ways behind, come, follow me on my path. And the scoffers, they will hate her for it. They will hate her for such uh, an invitation. They will abuse her. They will injure her. See, at some point, the the simple, they they can be persuaded, but at some point, they got to make a decision. At some point, they choose. And if they choose to say no to wisdom, then they now go from bad to worse. And they just decline, they become a scoffer, and they hate wisdom, and they, they, they hate wise people, they get fixed in their opinions, they get set in their ways, they can get very hostile, and can be abusive, and haters, and those who would injure, uh, would seek to harm wisdom and wise people. But these wise people... If the, if the simple say yes to wisdom, then you know, wisdom offers what she does, and she says, leave behind your ways, come follow me on my journey. And, and if they say yes, then they will, in fact, journey with wisdom. They will go on, and wisdom will be with them, and wisdom will help them. They won't have instant, perfect wisdom, but they will grow over time. Wise becoming wiser still. They're happy to accept ongoing correction and counsel and advice and direction and guidance and in so doing they will be wise and, and be getting wiser still. And, and, and being wise, I think a part of that um, is going to include actually then becoming a messenger for wisdom. Uh, just like the, the, the in, back up in verse 3, the the, uh, uh, the woman wisdom sent out her messengers. I think when we become wise, we essentially become one of these messengers of wisdom as well. And so with uh, verses 7 to 9, there's description there of the responses to wisdom or potential responses, but I think it also is sort of a caution flag for those who say yes and those who are wise and are walking this path. If you say yes to wisdom and you do leave behind your old ways, and you do take up her priorities and her lifestyle choices, then you, you're going to make some enemies. You likely will make some enemies. And those enemies, as you, as you carry the invitation that you yourself got from wisdom and you said yes to, as you carry that invitation to others, you almost certainly will face hostility in that. People will hate you, people will want to abuse you, people will want to injure you. Um, Perhaps that will be physical assault, perhaps that will be verbal in nature, but whatever the case, there's a caution here. The path of wisdom won't always be an easy road. I think that's the uh, 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 glaring caution here. But don't let that dissuade you. 
as you're a messenger for wisdom. You might, you might meet uh, scoffers along the way, and you'll have your share of trouble there with them. But you also might meet those who say yes, and, and they become wise, and they become these people who are marked by teachability, and they're marked by a desire to grow, and they're marked by a desire to receive correction and counsel and advice, and they're happy to, to, to get that. And man, they will make it a joy to be a messenger for wisdom. So you see those, those responses and potential responses there and that warning there um, in that section, I think. So just a final part here uh, this morning to mention. The choice. Um, the choice. The decision. So suppose that one considers these two invitations of wisdom and folly. They, 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 they recognize, they see the costs, the benefits, the ups and downs, and they want wisdom. They, they, they want to say yes to wisdom. How, how do they do that? How, how do you get that? How do you follow? And the answer, the glorious answer is verse 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And knowledge of the Holy One is insight. So becoming wise, it starts, it begins. There's a starting point to it. It is to know and fear God. So in other words, to, 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 to the, the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord. That's essentially, what does that mean? That essentially means, first, it's, it's to stand in awe of God. It is to be stunned by His character. And it's to be amazed by His promises and by His, His, His instruction and by His commands. And also, to fear the Lord, then, is to embrace God. It's to love God and it's to let that character of God and those promises of God and those commands and those instructions to let those things have the the primary influence in your life. That is, in a nutshell, to fear the Lord. And related to that, uh, related to that then, as we're related to God in that way, then it's in the context of that relationship that God is committed to you. God is committed to your growth. He's, he's, he's committed to your flourishing and your thrive, thriving. He's committed to you being wise and getting wiser still over time. Increasing in learning. Especially understanding over time more and more about who God is. More and more about what are His priorities. More and more about what God loves. More and more about what God hates. More of what of, of who he is and what he has done and what he calls us to. Submitting more to him in those things. Loving him more in that. Embracing that. And, and in that, he's committed to giving us a, a fuller and fuller life um, over time. So we don't... Um, I think it's important to know we don't get wise, become these wise people. And then God says, great, come in, fear me and know me. No, no, it's the other way around. We get wrapped up in this relationship with God, fearing God, knowing God, and then he commits to us to become wise people. We don't become wise to get with God. We're with God, and in that, he makes us wise over time. And so bear that in mind, by the way. Um, You know, really, essentially, all of the call, the invite of wisdom that we have in this chapter and what we've seen so far in the book, it's all really an invitation and a call of God himself. God himself. Ultimately, it's not just this, this invitation or this call to sort of embrace just some abstract sense of what might be a, a right road to walk or not. 
No, ultimately, it is a call to embrace God, to let him have the chief influence in your life. Again, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. So there really is no true wisdom um, without the fear of the Lord. There is no wisdom apart from knowing God. And, and I would say not just knowing about God, but knowing God personally. Knowing God personally. Knowing Him in this like favored, intimate relationship with Him. And that can sound crazy on the surface. I mean, what do you mean know God personally, intimately? It can sound crazy. But man, when we... And, and so many of you know this. When we take the, 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 the whole account of, of this biblical witness in mind, we know that we can, in fact, have an intimate, personal relationship with this God of the universe. And we can do that by faith in Jesus Christ and by a personal indwelling of the Holy Spirit. John 17, Jesus says that this is eternal life, is to know God. And to know his son, Jesus Christ. That is life. Um, John 6, Jesus says this. He says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. And whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. For my flesh is true food and my blood is true drink. Now, of course, Jesus is being quite metaphorical here, but, but notice um, uh, that, that notice how wisdom's call anticipates this for Jesus. Notice this. Wisdom says, come and eat, eat my bread and drink my wine and live. And that points us directly to Jesus. That anticipates Jesus. It foreshadows Jesus. It, it, it puts us on, on course to see Jesus making this offer, saying, I am the bread of of life. If anyone eats this bread, they will live forever. Anyone, if anyone eats this bread that Jesus offers, there will be life, there will be life forever. And Jesus says, the bread that I give, it's my flesh. And the drink that I give, it's my blood. Okay, so in other words, Jesus gave his flesh in giving his body to die on the cross and and his blood being spilled there. On the cross. He, he gave that up. And he says. Come to me. He did that so that anybody will come to him. In other words. Believe in him. Then they will be forgiven of their sin. They'll be forgiven of their folly. They will be pardoned of all those simple ways. That they're leaving behind. They're done. No record. No, no guilt there anymore. He'll, he'll do that. If we will come. And we will believe in Jesus. And then we're. And then we're pulled into his family, his, 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 uh, his eternal family, the, the people of God. Um, the Apostle Peter, he says this in Acts 2.38. Acts 2.38, Peter says, Repent, so turn away, leave your ways, and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So it's, 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 it's in that that we can truly come into a a personal, favored, intimate relationship with God. The living God, who we can actually know, know personally. We can know Him, not just know about Him, but we can know Him personally. And and it's it's right there, it's in that. It's in that relationship right there that we get the beginning 
of wisdom. We get the beginning of wisdom. So, for the original readers here in in Proverbs 9, and still for us today, again, we've got these two invitations that are out in front of us, and it is time to choose. And I know that for many of you, you've done this. You've chosen wisdom. You've chosen Christ. And, And the call is keep choosing him. Keep choosing him every day. This is, this is all of life in Christ. It's, it's leaving behind old ways, clinging to Christ. Leaving behind old ways, clinging to Christ. Leaving and cleaving all of life. Repentance and faith, repentance and faith. All throughout life. But that is the call. Choose one of these. Or maybe there's something right now, immediate, in your life going on. You're at a crossroads. There's an old way that seems really sweet and pleasant. And you've got to leave it behind. It's time to choose. Nope, I'm leaving it behind. I'm following Christ. Um, but but it's, it's decision time. And we can follow folly. We can, we can eat the meal that she offers. And we're going to find some sweetness. We're going to find some, some pleasure. It's going to be there. But it's going to be short-lived. And you know it. You know it. It's going to be short-lived. There is a bait and switch going on here. And, uh, and, and ultimately, we're going to be uh, feeding on death and feeding in death. Death is the, is the fine print here. And ultimately, as we know from the, the, the testament of Scripture, ultimately that points us to eternal death in hell. So it's a literally life and death decision. But commit to wisdom. Commit to wisdom. And, and, and that is to say, fear the Lord. Know the Lord. You can know God through Jesus Christ and through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Eat the bread and drink the wine that he offers. That is, receive his love, um, receive him, love him, and leave behind those old ways and let God change you. Come to God as you are and let God not keep you where you are. Come to God as you are and let him take you beyond that to amazing places. Come as you are, let God take you beyond that. Um, And from that place again, Now we're going to be well-situated with God taking us beyond. We're going to be well-situated to to, to get into the hundreds of sayings and dozens of topics in the rest of the book of Proverbs and actually understand them a little bit better, apply them a little bit bit better, grow in those over time. And ultimately, that's going to mean life for us, and uh, which is, I guess, more ultimately going to mean eternal life. For us, that's where it all goes. Eternal life with God and his people. Where the Bible says there actually will be fullness of joy and pleasures forevermore. Not just fleeting, sweet, and pleasant, but fullness of joy, pleasures forevermore. Let's pray. So I thank you for this, Lord. I thank you for Proverbs 9. I thank you for the attention of this church to to listen. And I pray that you would please drive into their hearts and minds what you know they need and what, I, what you know I need to be comforted this morning and to be challenged this morning. Comfort us with the promises of your gospel. Uh, challenge us with the call that flows out of that this morning. Give us grace. Give us power by your spirit. Give us joy in your presence uh, to, 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 to really make that choice today and follow you, follow you along your path, leaving behind old ways. In Jesus' name, amen.